everybody welcome to episode 79 of the bomber brothers podcast of pinstripe alley sean and ryan here talking about the end of the baseball season there's also some yankee stuff to talk about as the yankees have some immediate decisions to make in terms of picking up options on some players extending out uh qualifying offers so there is uh some stuff we can we can talk about. Obviously, the big news isn't directly related to the Yankees, but the World Series did end last night, and it did not involve the Rays winning, which I think was a relief for both of us and most Yankee fans. Um, and also was an absolute delight for people of the anti-analytics crowd just because of the Kevin Cash decision, which, I mean, real quick, like I feel like the vast majority of people who back the new wave of thinking in baseball kind of universally agree that that was a bad decision a and b a lot of people seem to be using it as ammunition to say that this stuff doesn't work when meanwhile the dodgers just won the world series using pretty much the same method of thinking i mean their president of baseball operations is a product of the tampa bay Rays, so that doesn't really seem like the argument or the hill to die on but definitely a really questionable decision by kevin cash one that i still just can't seem to figure out it's not even just pulling snell it's bringing in anderson who's been really bad he's been one of the few raised relievers who has struggled every time he's come in yeah he uh he wasn't the anderson that we saw um you know in the regular season or anything um but uh, it's funny. Everybody's saying that analytics are killing the game, and that's why the Rays lost. But the the Dodgers had a bullpen day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they went with the opener, and you know, the, you know, Justin Turner, who obviously end of the game notwithstanding, the longest tenure, you know, one of the longest tenured position player for the Dodgers is a product of their work in identifying players based on advanced analytics. So. Um, I think it's silly that to say that analytics caused this. This is somebody who did not, in my opinion, apply the an- analysis that he had appropriately to the situation, right? Um, and, and I think that's part of the beauty of, of baseball is that you have to have your pulse on what's going on while also taking into account the information at hand. And, um, you know, when you see somebody that's just absolutely dominating the way Blake Snell is, and he gives up a, you know, a single up the middle to the number nine hitter, you know, maybe that doesn't signal right away like the red flag or the third time through the order kind of thing. Like he was dominant, and we've seen plenty of times where pitchers, you know, have their best stuff, and times where pitchers don't have their best stuff. So you can't treat it the same every single time. Um, and I don't know. I just. I think that managers need to have a better understanding of, of how they're going to apply, apply these strategies and how they're going to adjust if things work out one way or another for better or for worse. Um, 
Because otherwise, why have a manager? If you're just going to say, okay, Blake Snell, you're going to throw two times through the order, and then you're done. Like, there's no point then of, of worrying about pitching changes and everything like that because you have your plan. So I, I, I think um, it's silly to say analytics ruin the game. I think it's fair to say that the improper application of the analytics ruined the World Series for the Rays, which is ironic because the only reason – the only reason the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series is because of their heavy analytic environment in their organization. Yeah, and and also important to remember that you know the information, the new advanced data and stats that a lot of teams use is meant to minimize the uh, window of error. Doesn't eliminate it because it's still baseball and it's crazy random and things are going to happen. It's the same reason why you see. Uh, the shift work nine times out of ten, but there is that one time where you, you know player gets one off the end of the bat and hits one the opposite way, and it's a double. When if the players were if the infield was playing straight up, it would have been an easy out. So sometimes things happen. I just think that this was a time where Blake Snell looked as dominant as can be, and you know you do see the top of the order coming up. It is the third time through the order, but Snell had also struck all six of the. Oh, well, he struck out all three of the top three hitters twice. So they were all, what, 0 yeah. for 3 with – they were all 2 0 for 2 each. with two strikeouts. Yeah. And then if you bring it down to the uh, 1 through 4 hitters, they were 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts. And it, I mean, even even after the game, you saw Mookie Betts uh, talking, yeah. and he basically was like, that was like all we needed. I mean, you could – I could imagine just the boost of confidence when – someone who they hadn't been able to touch gets taken out of the game and someone else gets brought in who they've scored a run against each time they've faced them so far that that series so it's uh and and it was also the sixth game of the series so you know i've i'd be interested to see if someone will write a piece about this looking into those kind of numbers but once you get that late into a series is it that much of a difference to bring in a reliever that players have seen three, four times already than it is to face a starting pitcher the third time through an order? That'll be interesting to see if uh, anyone can get that information. That's obviously way more uh, intelligent. Someone of way more intelligence will have to put that together aside from us. But I would be interested to read that. I think I can do it. But that's an interesting idea. Like when you see um – when you see a reliever for the third time in four days or something like that, what do you bat against him, you know, compared to whatever it's hard though, because with a smaller sample and everything like that. But I mean, I think we've seen this happen to the Yankees, right? Whether it be, um, the, uh, the 2017 ALCS where the Yankees relievers who had carried them really crashed and burned pretty hard in game six and seven against, against Houston. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chapman all the time. So Chapman just yeah, and uh, that, something like that further highlights how much how important a deep bullpen is nowadays when starters don't go as deep into games. And when you're in a seven-game series, the end of that series, it's going to be crucial. And you've seen the Yankees' uh, bullpen arms fade out at the end of series the last two years now. You know, it's imagine the ALDS against the Twins. If the Twins had, like, won a game or something, then you start feeling a little more nervous and – you know, luckily they swept that series, but then you get to the ALCS and there's a bullpen day. And on paper, you look at the Yankees and Astros bullpen and you're like, all right, well, this looks like a winnable game for the Yankees. But it was also a tired bullpen that had been stretched in and 
hitters had uh, gotten to know them a lot more. Same thing happened with the Rays this year. They had a much deeper bullpen, and you can argue that that wound up being the difference. So another lesson for the Yankees to maybe bolster that bullpen, even if there are some injuries. Don't just bank on guys coming back. Just go out and get some more help. Get everybody. Yeah. I mean, hey, the Dodgers are perfect perfect evidence of that. They, they're they a team that's been trying to go all in the past few years, and I'm actually really happy to see them get rewarded for it. They made the trade for Darvish in 2017. They traded for Machado in 2018. They traded for Mookie Betts this offseason and then signed him to a 12-year deal because that's the no-brainer thing to do when you get the second-best player in the league on your team. You lock him up for a long-term deal, and now they get rewarded with a World Series title. So I like seeing teams that push their chips in get rewarded with a ring yeah it's the the desperation and the it just makes it so much so much more satisfying to see a team win that really tried as hard as they could and i mean um i I was really happy one um let's just put a ball on this i was really happy ken kevin cash and his stable went out went up in in flames yeah looked very and unstable I, at the end yeah that's a good one nice nice i, I can't take credit for that i can't remember who i think maybe connor foley or james smites one, one of them tweeted out something like that yeah. I'm, I'm getting sick of everybody on twitter with like their sort of like witty kind of like kind of attitude you know what i mean but Lindsay adler was just bringing the smoke yesterday with some <laughs> of her jokes she was. She, I wouldn't have taken her out with all, all all the jokes she was making. She was she was on fire. She's making she's, me laugh. She's always good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, every, everybody thinks they're a comedian and so clever. But sometimes you get a couple winners in there. Um, but and then I was really happy, obviously, for the Dodgers because they did they did everything they could to win. I mean, that's the kind. And it's so funny too because think about it in a shortened season with a more random playoff and all this stuff, the team that actually had the best record, the team that actually had the best team on paper is the team that comes out on top. And that almost never happens. Yeah. And they um, beat the team that was the best team in their league too. Yeah. So all, all this randomness, and then you get that, that's your team and they deserve it. And I mean, the Clayton Kershaw reaction, like set, sums it all up. Like, Oh yeah. He, he, both, both of the games he pitched, the Dodgers won in the series and he's got his ring, and now anytime anybody brings up the postseason with him, he could just you know tell him to shove it and, and hold up his ring, and and he deserves that because he's been a you know one of the more dominant pitchers, um, well, you know the the probably the most dominant pitcher of uh, you know the last twelve years or so. I think yeah, I think he definitely is, and finally was not a victim of of poor managerial decisions, and was able to shine in October and get his ring, and I. On a, on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how how nervous were you when you saw the tweets coming up that he was getting loose in the bullpen? Because I was like, oh, God, please don't do this. <laughs> do not so, let, do not bring this guy in. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I thought there was no way that they were going to they were going to take Urias out. Um, I, I, yeah, he was, if he they was brought, dealing. If, yeah, and he, he's been money the whole series. So if, if they had taken him out, I would have been shocked. I thought maybe if – like the Dodgers had a seven run inning there in the eighth. Maybe they would let Urias get two outs and then put Kershaw in for just the last out. Maybe. Yeah. That was the only thing I could think of. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I was like, there's no way they're going to try to get, have him get, because when he was warming up, it was a two one, a two one game. I was like, there's no way they're going to put him in up one. Like this is just a disaster waiting to happen. But yeah, I was nervous. So then beyond the final out, 
it was far from from over in terms of big news because then we get the Justin Turner news and what a roller coaster that was I mean first he's out of the game and you and you're not really sure why because obviously it's a really close game and he'd been having a big series and and you're like okay I guess he got hurt or something and then we find out that it was a positive COVID test like almost right after the game ends and then shortly after that I mean what a (laughs) it's just it was just insane because then like right after that you get Manfred getting the shit boot out of him and he's like clearly really pissed and shaken up about it when he's like making his speech to uh to the dodgers in the middle I thought, of the field i thought he was having a stroke yeah I, it was just the it's the feedback or, in his earpiece yeah or he had a few drinks or, or something <laughs> yeah i don't no, know i, got, I, was I don't know what was worse him or the uh technology and and stuff guy from the 2014 world series celebration oh, yeah, yeah. or well, yeah 2014 yeah a lot of people were bringing that up on on twitter um, I I remember watching that when it happened. Yeah, yeah. But so we had we had all that, and then we have Justin Turner back out on the field, taking pictures with the team, taking his mask off, kissing his. Um, I don't know if that's his girlfriend or his fiance, his wife, his not, wife. His yeah. wife. Um, well, the two, the him, him and his wife hosted the Sandlot reu- uh, virtual reunion on YouTube. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Hope hopefully she's not going to test positive hopefully everyone else that was on the field isn't going to test positive but i I think bob nightingale tweeted they all got on a plane and went home like because they all had a negative test but doesn't it take a couple days to register as positive that's what i eh, that's that's what i heard so bold strategy cotton (laughs) yeah but yeah that so that was that was just a wild turn of, of events so yeah that was crazy ending yeah, so who knows what's going to become of that? I'm sure more information will come out, but apparently he tested like the test came back in the in the second inning or something like that, and then they like expedited the other one, and that one also came back positive. So I mean, he, he could have even been playing for a solid five innings with them knowing about that first positive test. I'm sure more will will come out of that, but we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what else comes of that. But for now, the Dodgers are World Series champs, and now we're back to having no baseball to watch, which is crazy. I mean, it's been like, what, three months since we were without baseball for so long, and now it's going to be right back to it. And honestly, who knows like when it's even going to start up again. Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they got to go bubble if they come back before there's a vaccine. Maybe Which is going to be insanely tough with 30 teams. I mean, yep, NHL, yep. NBA pulled this off, but that was with half the teams. Yep, with the playoffs. We'll see. Maybe they make two bubbles, one for the AL, one for the NL. Uh, who knows? You can't even do that because there's no. an odd number of, uh, of teams. And not only, not only that, are you you're really going to try to pull off a bubble for a 162-game season? Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I, just don't see, I just don't see it happening. And I really don't see... I don't see owners agreeing to even play until fans are allowed back in the stands because they're all they've already been crying poor, and I'm sure that was a lot of the reasons why Manfred was justifiably booed to death on uh, on the field last night. I certainly would have been booing if I was there. Yeah, I I I, I would have too, but we you know. We'll see. This offseason is going to be crazy. 
This offseason is going to suck. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really low and down in the dumps about baseball in the coming months. I mean, um, if, if any team feels like spending, it's going to be a huge opportunity for them. But none of them are. The owners are obviously going to collaborate and decide that they're not going to. I mean, the Cardinals, who is it, Colton Wong already today? Mm-hmm. They declined yeah, his they option. Declined Wong's option. It's a good player right there. But are you surprised? The Car- wasn't it the Cardinals' ownership that said baseball is not really that profitable in the first place? Yeah, owning wasn't a baseball it, team is not Yeah, profitable. wasn't it those idiots that said that? So I'm, I'm probably bracing myself for more situations like that to come up and owners saying that they can't spend because they lost so much money and blah 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 and all this crying and it's probably going to get ugly and i'm sure the yankees are going to be a big part of it too so we're going to be frustrated because they're heading into a season where it's one of their last seasons before a lot of core players start you know becoming arbitration eligible or free agents and you know the time is now to make a big push for a world series but I am uh, I'm fairly confident that they're going to be using this as, as a reason not to, which I guess uh, brings us to immediate plans for the Yankees. So now that the season's over, the clock starts, the Yankees could pick up options on any of the three players, right? Hap, Gardner, and why am I right. and Britain, yeah. So I don't know how you're feel- what your feelings are on the three. I feel like that you have – Two no-brainers that you don't pick up the option on Hap because I don't want to see him pitch anymore. And I don't want to – I don't know. I just – I've soured on Hap. He was good down the stretch in 2018 until the playoffs. He was good for a spurt in 2020. And other than that, was absolutely terrible. And I think the other no-brainer is to pick up the option on Britain because he's earned every cent of his contract. Seems to only be getting better as he moves further away from his Achilles injury. And honestly, with the way Chapman has crumbled in some big spots, I'm starting to feel better with Britain as the closer. Uh, yeah, I think those are both no-brainers. And Britain still makes me nervous with the walks, but he's been money. So Yeah, no, he, he makes me nervous with the walks too. And, and obviously that power sinker has always has wild pitch possibilities, mm-hmm. but also has double play possibilities. Um, yep. But at the same time, Chapman scares me with walks too. So it, it, I really wouldn't feel like I was sacrificing much, except I would no longer be as fearful of the long ball, which Chapman has decided to give up a lot of big ones in October. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think the Britain option's a no-brainer to to pick up, and the um, the Hap one is a no-brainer to um, let it go by if they have a plan to get some other pitching, which they have to. Come on now. Do they? Do they? Are you sure they're not just going to say, well, we've got Herman coming back. We've got Devi and Montgomery. That's three right there. we got Severino coming back at midseason, so we'll just put in uh, put in Clark Schmidt or Michael King to fill in until he gets back, and then we'll have Cole. No, I want Trevor Bauer. <laughs> I want Trevor Bauer, and I want Tanaka back. Okay, well, we still haven't settled the other option, Brett Gardner. So, you know Brett Gardner's staying. Yeah, I mean – if, would, if Brett Gardner wants to play baseball till he's fifth, Brian Cashman will keep giving him money. Probably. He so it's it's complicated because you know we love Gardner. He's been one of. I, I think you can even make a case that Brett Gardner deserves at least a plaque in Monument Park. Not not to retire his number, but he's he's been. Oh, that. he's getting a day. He's going to get a yeah. day. There's no doubt about I, that. I think I think that's pretty clear. And he did end the season 
well. He started playing much, much better. But I, st- I still wouldn't want to go into 2021 with anyone but Frazier as the starting left fielder. I think he's proven that he deserves a steady starting job. His defense improved incredibly. I mean, holy shit, he was gold nominated for the gold glove. I mean, that's that's an insane comeback story. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Obviously, pick up pick up the option. He can give you some some depth and you know a lefty bat if you want to sit sit a righty at times. But other, but don't but not as not as the everyday starter. Yeah, I uh, I mean, look, I know they're going to find a pick up the option because they love that love him. And if he wants to play, he'll 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 come back. And I think he's shown he's fine being a backup, and he can come off the bench and do a good job. And Honestly, with the injury history of Judge and, and Hicks and, um, you know, the, the depth there, it, he's a good plug-and-play guy. I, um, yeah, and, I, and I Talk, think, Talkman was very underwhelming this year, so I don't yeah. think he's someone that can fill in that so, spot. Yeah, if, he's, if he's your fifth outfielder, you live with that, but you want somebody decent as your fourth. And, look, Gardner had a very poor 20, uh, 2020 up until September. So um wasn't great, but he's always has a slow start, I feel like. And then it comes on pretty strong now. It's weird. Like the last three years have been the opposite of the rest of his career, uh, where he used to have the monster first halves and then fade. But anyway, um, I um, – yeah, I, I mean I think – look, I think you, t- you say on uh, first day of spring training it's an open competition, but you go into it with the mindset that it's probably Clint Frazier's job. Um, yeah. But but make him compete for it because he is still you know a young buck, and uh, and go from there. And you know what? If you got to turn it into a platoon situation, you turn it into a platoon situation. Um, but I don't I, you know I don't I don't see why that has to be. I think Clint can hit righties and lefties, so we'll see. But it's nice to have the option. It's nice to have the leadership as well. Um, and you know you got a guy that can play center or left and still has value offensively. It's good to have. Yeah. So then there's also the qualifying offers that need to be extended to pending free agents. I think this is not really something that needs to be talked about at much length because I'm pretty sure it's a no-brainer. I feel like they're going to extend qualifying offers to all three pending free agents, and I feel like at least two of them are 100% getting rejected. Probably all three with LeMahieu, Tanaka, and Paxton, right? I, I, would, I, would I mean, if the, if, what's the qualifying offer? Like $18 million now, nineteen? I don't remember the exact number. I, I, I might take that if I'm Paxton. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like I feel like Paxton. I, I don't know. I mean, Boris is already talking about how Paxton's already healthy, and he doesn't feel like that yeah. that's going to affect his free agency. Which you know, Boris. Boris is going to be Boris. But um, but I feel like Tanaka and Lemayhu both would be smart to obviously reject those. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, Tanaka got a huge contract already in his career, but he can get another four or five year deal. Out yeah, there. It'll be out there. It's 19 million. 18.9 yeah. oh, to be yeah. exact. So 19 million. So, I mean, how much money would you give James Paxton coming off an injury with his injury history? I, I don't I don't know if he gets a long term deal. No, he might want to take another year to build up his, his value back up. Yeah. I would certainly um, extend him the qualifying offer 100. percent And and then he comes back off in hopefully a better financial environment without the draft pick attached to him. Yeah, it's, which it's, people act like is a huge deal, but come on. Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting how the pending market affects um, some of these players. I mean, I mean, I would assume Lemayhu, no matter what, is going to reject because he's coming yeah. off his second straight season where he was a 
top five player in the league. And he'll get five times that much. Yeah. And, and honestly, Tanaka probably would be wise to reject it too, I would think, because even though he sputtered this postseason, he still was really steady again in 2020 throughout the regular season. It was you know, another 3-5 ERA. So, and he's still only, what, 32 or something like that? Yeah, 31-32. Isn't, uh, I know you didn't say him because there's no reason to do it, but isn't Canely technically um, a free agent this year? Wouldn't he technically be eligible? Yeah, yeah, I think I but think he is, but he's yeah, not going to he, pitch this year. That's well, so he's just going to be out, had no major league contract. That sucks. I know, especially because he definitely was in line to get paid because he deserved it. He was he's yeah. been one of the best relievers since coming over from Chicago. I wonder what happens with like his rehab and everything. I don't know, maybe, maybe some team will give him like a three-year deal at like a low or a two-year deal at a low price, so he comes back yeah. and, for the next year. You never know. Yeah. I would do it. I mean, shit. He was awesome for the It's probably the difference between the Yankees making the ALCS and not. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, he was one of the biggest postseason arms in, in 2017. And if the Yankees had him this year, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they would have advanced. I mean, you look at how close Game 5 was. You have Canely in there to help keep the other arms a little fresh. And also, mm-hmm. not to mention, Canely is arguably – the strongest out of all those bullpen arms that would have that would have been huge but sure. um but yeah so I, I i would i would assume qualifying offers go out to all three two of them i almost guarantee will get rejected paxton's an interesting case but still wouldn't be surprised if if that gets rejected and then the yankees just have to pony up the dough for lemayhew i mean it's pretty 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 simple i think that's going to be a huge tension point this offseason until that gets settled because I think a lot of fans are going to be uneasy about the thought of not having LeMahieu back after what he's been to, meant to the team for the last two years. So it's going to be interesting. Yep, that's for sure. Sorry, we'll any, anything else? No, I don't know. Let's wait. Let's wait till the qualifying offers are all out, and if they're accepted or not, and then we could start kind of making our wish list, I guess, right? About yeah. who's out there and who's not. But uh, I, know I, already know, I already know who's at the top of mine. That's Didi. Oh, I, I want Didi <laughs> to come back too, man. If yeah. they're not gonna, if they're not gonna swing a trade, I I bring Didi back. Yeah, Dude, I'm telling you, can't have enough depth. No, I know. Cannot have enough. Um. But yeah, a little lefty swing would be perfect. I just miss Didi. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I want I want uh, I want Bauer back though. Bauer back? I'm um, Bauer. Excuse <laughs> me. Bauer. I was thinking the the best starting pitchers, and I was like Bauer, Tanaka. Yeah, and I was like, Tanaka's got to come back. I want Bauer. So we'll make our lists. We'll see what happens with the, with the qualifying offers. But I don't know. I, I would expect. Uh, if the Yankees want to pony up and spend, they could probably buy themselves a World Series. They That's could. What's going to be going on, but, you know, they won't do that because Hal is, is just the devil. Anyway, it was a good World Series, though. It was really fun. Um, obviously, Game 4 was a classic. Oh, yeah, that was and unbelievable. You know what I was thinking about? How many times have – has there been a classic World Series game where the team that wins the classic, like the most exciting game in the World Series that year, winds up losing the series? Like this year, it obviously happened. And 2001, then 20- <laughs> that brings me back to 2001. 
Which you, well, all right. So I thought about that, but 2018 was obviously one. The only game the Dodgers won was yeah, the, best the game Muncie series, home but, run in the yeah. 18th inning. But would you really would you really put that there? Because I mean, there was a walk off in Game Seven against the greatest closer of all time. Yeah, but I'm uh, saying like at the, at the time they had lost two all time classics that are still yeah. considered all time classics, and they still wound up winning the series. I know they wound up winning on a really exciting. Ending. Yeah, but I would say like a game seven walk off supersedes the other two games. So the Diamondbacks yeah. did win the most exciting game of that series. Just wasn't exciting for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still think you can make the argument that game five, just because it doubled it's, down, and mm-hmm. also with everything else going on at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, all right. It's well, close call. That, that doesn't uh, that, that could but, also not, yeah, not make it. It doesn't happen all that often. No, no, it doesn't. I mean. You know, so I don't know. I was just I thought that was interesting. It's like uh, you know the Rays got like their little moment for the the fourteen fans they have to have a nice nice game. Yeah. So well, I mean back to back like really well honestly yeah back to back really exciting World Series and three of the last four World Series have just been absolute oh, no four of the last four five. Last five. I've been absolutely awesome, and 2015 was great too. It was just every, it was a it was a five game series, but every game was you know you know what two three extra inning games in there, so yeah. really fun. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. So guess we'll uh, be back next week to see if the Yankees did indeed extend out some qualifying offers. See uh, if there's any hot stove updates. I don't think there will be. I think we're headed for a pretty cold and dark off season it stinks because from from monday night football always stinks and thursday night football always stinks and without the nba and the nhl back there is is nothing going on now yeah yeah it's like what the hell do you watch on on weeknights yeah that's it well what are you looking forward to this week oh definitely the mandalorian season two comes out on friday that's yeah that's a good one also you took that i'll take i'll look forward to to a tug of viola's debut yeah looking forward to that too i ordered a jersey but i don't think it's going to be here in time oh nice yeah waiting for the day where you can actually buy a dolphin's jersey and be like confident that it's something that you'll be able to continue to wear it's called a damn marino (laughs) i was about to say other than marino Honestly, since him, is there a player you'd be like, yeah, I'll walk around and rep that? Yeah, Bakari Rambo. I I shouldn't say that because obviously there's Jason Taylor and, you know. Yeah, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. But mine would be Bakari Rambo. Just because his name's Rambo. (laughs) Or Leonte Carew. (laughs) Classic. Yeah. Posterized him. Yeah, that was was, was my apex mountain. All righty. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you'll stick with us through the off season. We'll see if there's some stuff to talk about. Really hope we don't have to go back into uh, trying to find other stuff to talk about in, in a long, dark time without baseball. But we'll just have to see what happens. So thanks, everyone, for sticking with us, and we'll talk to you next week. See you later, everybody.